This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Regional Roundup with Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent with The Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now to turn our attention to headlines around the region. From today, Penang enters phase two of Malaysia's COVID-19 exit plan, the sixth such state to do so after states like Perak, Terengganu and Pahang. This means more businesses can reopen even though much of the movement curbs under phase one remain in place. Stationary shops, electronic shops, car wash services, hair salons will also be allowed to operate. Non-contact individual recreation and sport can also resume, but inter-district travel, interstate travel and dining in will remain banned. Meanwhile, Indonesia's COVID-19 crisis continues unabated with reports of oxygen shortage. There is a scary photo of the demand for oxygen tanks in Indonesia soaring amid this COVID-19 spike. You'll be able to see that photo on the front page of the Straits Times this morning. As always, to help me out with uh, what's happening around the region, Straits Times Regional Correspondent Leslie Lopez on the line. Leslie, good morning. Good morning, Elliot. How are you doing? Not too bad, sir. How about you? Okay. I feel, I, I feel them sad, man, because you guys still can't do dining in, right? Yes, still, oh, still is nowhere near that that uh, phase where we enter into dining in, you know. Yeah. So, what the situation now? I understand is, you know, with regard to the government trying to control it, there are a lot of comments coming out saying that you know too many exemptions too little testing because of the variants that are being reported delta and you know maybe even delta plus so you've got mco 3.0 imposed on may the 6th five weeks of what the government termed total lockdown but at the same time there were 17 sectors like you know manufacturing for example they were allowed to operate at 60 percent capacity so, I mean, is MCO 3.0 a success? If not, what went wrong? Well, you know, this is, this is where I think the debate is here today. Uh, clearly, there have been a lot of new measures or trying to reintroduce every, uh, new measures. But, you know, the impact, the results have been really poor to say the least, and which is why you've got a whole lot of criticisms against the government today. And I think this lockdown has, uh, because of the numbers that we see, continue to to spike. You know, yesterday's, uh, yesterday's uh, number of cases were confirmed appeared like a kind of countdown, you know, mm. 7654, you see. That was the number yesterday. So, you know, everyone's talking about this, making jokes about this. But, you know, these are pretty magda kind of jokes, you know, I mean, because the situation is not, we're not seeing the situation get better. And people are talking about these lockdowns that are just going nowhere today, you know. So really what went wrong? It's a number of things. It's a number of things. And it all boils down to, I think, really this political impasse that we have today, you know, in Malaysia. Mm. And that's really kind of breaking into this health pandemic at this point. So it's an interesting situation. Well, it's not interesting. It's a it's a odd situation whereby ultimately around the world, there's a lot of talk about how you got to start thinking COVID-19 is, is going to move from pandemic to endemic. Therefore, things like, okay, sure, testing, obviously not enough. Vaccination is the most important thing. And then at the same time, Leslie, you're in KL. 
How many white flags are you seeing outside houses? Apparently, this is a sign well, that people are hungry, right? Well, clearly, you know, you're right. You know, and I think the white flag campaign is gaining a lot of traction, and I think it's perhaps one of the uh, one of the silver linings in this in this entire pandemic. You know, you see Malaysians coming out to help each other. It, this is very rare in a country where, you know, race, religion and all these kind of things are issues and often used as, you know, kind of issues for, for politicians. But here mm. you see Malaysians really coming out and saying, no, we're going to help each other now. Mm. You know? So I think this is, this is one of the good things that, that has come out in this very, very bad situation. But it is where help is reaching out across racial lines, religious lines, I think it is a very, very good thing. And uh, that how people are saying that, look, if the government can't help us, we're going to help ourselves. Mm. And we're going to help each other. So you see, you see some positives. I mean, you know, we, we wish it didn't have to get to this. Yeah. But yeah. we see positives in this kind of stuff, which I think is, you know, which is something we need to, I think, appease ourselves and say, yeah. okay, you know, out of this, you know, there's some good. Yeah, power to human spirit as well. I mean, us here in Singapore, we really feel for our neighbors. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. And I know now there's there's some kind of a new tactic where you look at, you know, different states sort of uh, uh, managing uh, and evaluating the situation based on their population ratio. So you've got six states transitioning into phase two. I mean, this is a change in in tactic, sort of semi-inspired by what the U.S. did. But any opinion on whether this would work? Well, you know, the thing is that all states want to want to move into different phases, but I think what is important here is that, like you pointed out earlier in the in this program today, is that you really need to move away from this thing about having this uh, herd immunity. It is this is this is going to be pandemic. Yes, yes. So I think I think what Singapore is doing, you know, not talking about numbers anymore, but really getting to the to the core of this that this is endemic we're going to live, be living with this this is what i think needs to be done yeah. but you see a lot of states uh unlike kuala lumpur klang valley and slango where testing is very very aggressive so mm. we don't know how testing how aggressive the testing regime is in these other states and for them to move into different phases clearly begs the question but, you know, I think what really needs to be done is that, you know, take Klang Valley, Slango, which contribute to about 25% of GDP now. Yeah. So I think the, the argument today is you just have to vaccinate the hell out of this area. Yeah. Just vaccinate everyone. Can I quote and you? Then, <laughs> yeah. You know, and just really aggressively vaccinate and contact trace and then make sure that really this this area starts get gets going and then you get the economy coming up. So true. So true. That's what a lot you of know? experts are saying. Vaccinate and test, vaccinate exactly. and test. Exactly. But no. but you can't help but you know, with, with Malaysia there is also the political curveball. I mean, what's this gonna do where politics is concerned? Are we expecting more political turbulence? You've got, you know, the prospect of AMNO uh, in the news. They are a uh, 
current Berikatan Nasional, uh, they're part of that alliance, right? They are threatening to pull out. It's really not the right time for all of this. Well, you know, the thing is that the politics always, you know, there's always a political story in Malaysia right? and a political dimension to everything that happens mm. here. And today we will we will see clearly. Uh, I think there are there are big questions about uh, Prime Minister Muhyiddin's uh, longevity. He's still in hospital. We don't know whether he has been discharged yet. You know, after this digestive uh, problems that he had last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Today is the cabinet meeting, and also we understand that today is the meeting of the Amno Supreme Council which is that all-powerful body in yes. Amno, yes. and they're deciding whether to pull out from the coalition. You know, that is going to push Malaysia into some kind of political paralysis if they do, because, you know, it's not, it's not an immediate thing, of not straightforward, where, you know, there'll be a change in government. Mm. First of all, I think the questions that need to be asked will be, can the Muhyiddin government show if once Amno pulls out, and if they really do, can it show that it still has uh, a majority in parliament with a new power-sharing agreement with other alliances or other uh, coalition partners? That would be the first first step for the Muhyiddin government. And should he fail to do that, what will happen then is that I'm sure pressure will, will build on him that uh, he will need to resign. Mm. And then, you know, we get into these constitutional issues uh, in Malaysia. The king decides typically on uh, the person he picks as prime minister is the one who he believes enjoys the majority support in yeah. parliament. Yeah. You know, so that's going to be key. These things are going to be tested in the coming days. And like you pointed out, we don't need this. But, you know, uh, that's how politics is in the country today. And perhaps, you know, uh, a change of government, getting things, a new perspective in how to deal with the pandemic is what's needed. We don't know. Yeah. We've got to see this and this is going to be the story in the coming days as, yeah. we, as it unfolds. Yeah, we need hope. We need hope and uh, we'll, pick yeah, up on exactly. this. we'll pick up on this next week for sure, Leslie. Uh, for just, sure. Just very quickly, uh, I want to turn uh, attention to a photo on the front page of the Straits Times this morning. A oxygen supply company preparing cylinders uh, for distribution in Samarang Central Java. This photo was taken yesterday. There is a demand for oxygen, record spike in COVID cases in Indonesia. The country is bracing itself for a worst case scenario. It's shocking to read those words. Could you give us a quick update on the situation in Indonesia? Well, you know, it is grim. You know, they're calling it the ground zero now for COVID in Southeast Asia. And I think really what's happening in Jakarta, cases are spiking and we're seeing things kind of track what, you know, the grim images that we saw in India, actually. You know? mm-hmm. So I think, I think it is not going to get better is not going to, you know, the coming days are going to be dire for Indonesians. And, you know, we've got very, very, Java especially is a very, very populous region, populous island. And, you know, they're going to be stretched. Even on normal times, the the health, the, you know, the health systems are stretched there. You know, I've, I've lived in Indonesia for, used to live there for, you know, six, seven years. Mm. And so... I think, you know, on even good times, things are stretched that this is going to be grim. If anything, they need to see what happened in India, perhaps, and then get all the help they can get. Yeah, yeah. You know, get all the help they can get. Really, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about 
some pretty grim times ahead. Yeah, we haven't even begun analyzing the prospects or effects and how the economy there is going to recover. Precisely, yeah. It's a long conversation. Straits Times Regional Correspondent Leslie Lopez on the line with me. Leslie, appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Will do. Thanks. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.